Hello, flight instructors and NAFI members. John Niehaus, Director of Program Development for the National Association of Flight Instructors, welcoming you back to another episode of the NAFI More Right Rudder Podcast, the podcast for flight instructors on the go. And today, our podcast is actually brought to you by sort of a, the big conglomerate that we all know, uh, and it's Boeing. Now, of course, Boeing owns Jeppesen and ForeFlight and recently even Cloud Ahoy. And uh, they've been great supporters of NAFI and our members, and they provide us some, some pretty cool discounts, too. If you're not aware, NAFI members get a 33% discount off of ForeFlight. That extends to Jeppesen charts, and uh, we also get a really good discount on Cloud Ahoy. So it all kind of comes back around together. They're committed to helping flight instructors uh, just like you do your job a little bit easier, hopefully for a little bit less money. So um, anyways, we thank them for their support of us and, of course, our members and the industry as a whole. And uh, today, the episode you're about to listen to is actually an interview I did a while back with a good friend of mine, Kimberly Dawn. Uh, it was part of our 10 question series. And the whole point behind that was to sort of talk to people that have made a name for themselves in the industry, people that uh, I'm inspired by and uh, have done some really just phenomenal work with uh, improving the industry and, and kind of pushing that uh, that ball of knowledge a little bit further up the hill, if you will. And uh, so I, I let uh, the interview sort of introduce Kim, but uh, she's a Canadian instructor. We get to learn a little bit about that. She runs a really amazing pilot group on Facebook called Top Instructors and Students. Look it up if you uh, have any interest in just bettering yourself, being a part of a really great community, and and uh, interacting with other amazing pilots. So take a look at that. And uh, without further ado, a great discussion with a good friend of mine, Kimberly Bond. Today, my guest is Kimberly Dawn. Now, she's been a flight instructor since 2003, and that's about 18 years of experience, almost 19, she says. She's been a uh, class one Canadian instructor and an ATP. She's ICAO certified in aviation training management and advanced instruction. She's the owner of Advancing Aviation, which is a new take on aviation education and mentorship. And she's a senior turbine aircraft appraiser. Kimberly, welcome. Hi, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me here. So I have one question that doesn't count in the 10, and that's, okay. let's explain a little bit what a class one Canadian instructor actually is. Okay. Yes, I get this question quite a bit from my, uh, my students and my colleagues in the States. So in Canada, we have an apprenticeship type program for flight instructors. And it's a class system where you start as a class four and then with experience and with flight tests and written tests, you work your way up to a class one. So when you first become a flight instructor in Canada, you're not allowed to freelance. You're not allowed to do anything other than work at a flight school with a supervisor. 
Uh, class four instructor has to have daily meetings with their supervisor to talk about the flights with their students to make a plan, make sure that they're on track. And with um, a certain amount of hours dual given and successful flight tests and solos, uh, sending students solo, then with those requirements, you can bump up to a class three. Now to, and that means you can then freelance and you no longer have to work for a flight school after a certain amount of more hours and a brand new flight test and a brand new written test, then you can bump up to a class two and become a supervisor. Hmm. And then with another uh, set of hours and then um, written test and a flight test, you can bump up and become a class one, which is the only class in our system that is able and allowed to give somebody else a flight instructor rating. So I'm the only um, person allowed to take a commercial pilot and turn them into a flight instructor. Wow. I, I think mm. a lot of people don't realize quite how different the Canadian system is versus the U.S. Yeah, it's not easy to become a, a, a class one, um, only because a lot of people tend to move on to other jobs before attaining mm. the requirements and the experience. So no matter how things are different, some things are still the same because we have yeah. the same problem here. <laughs> yeah. So jumping right into the 10 questions. Um, was being a flight instructor part of your original career plan or was it something <laughs> you never anticipated doing? No, not even a little bit. No. <laughs> when I was uh, a fresh face and rosy cheeked, I had the only path in my mind, which is what a lot of people have as a path in their mind. I'm going to the airlines. I'm going to fly all over the world. I'm going to go to all these cool places and, and live an amazing life. And I did not expect to be a career instructor, which is what I am, um, because Along the path of becoming a flight instructor to get the hours, what most people do, I fell in love with it. Mm. I did eventually leave flight instructing to go to the turbine world, to do scheduled work, to do charter work, to do all types of different flying. But I've always found my way back to instructing. And I just, I love it. It makes me feel good. Yeah. Now I, I have a somewhat similar path. Reflecting on your instructor skill with your first student, how well do you think you did? My very first student was a dumpster fire. Oh no! <laughs> Scotty basically did it for me. So I was so lucky in the position I was in. I was a terrible brand new instructor. So my very first student was an air cadet that already had a glider's license and he won a scholarship to get his power license. So, and that's with extra work through air cadets and being in an in, in aviation environment environment for quite some time. So Scotty McLean, who is now an F-18 instructor, I'm very proud wow. to say that. Yeah. So he's a great, he's a great kid. Um, he basically taught himself. I showed up. I sat there. <laughs> I pretended I was teaching. <laughs> so what made it so difficult or, or what part are you looking back on and saying, man, I really could have done that better? Um, realistically, I had, let's go with okay supervision where I was at. Um, but I was, uh, if I'm going to be really blatantly honest, I was entitled and I was just blasting through the material with no care about my own quality. Right. I didn't care about the quality of, of the work that I was doing. And because Scotty and his flight partner, Jean-Pierre were so already like adequately prepared, <laughs> I sat there and I just let them do it. Oh man. <laughs> I think we've all fallen into that path at, at one point or another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just didn't have the experience to 
match his level and take him to the next level. So my level was down here and he was, he was already there. So it was quite easy. I say it was a dumpster fire, but it was really quite easy for me. He taught himself. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of us have had uh, mentors in the industry that have shown us the way Um, who were yours and, and what was the most meaningful thing they taught you? Oh, I like this question. I read this one uh, prior. I actually have four active mentors at all time. Now, like I said, in the Canadian system, we mandate mentorship. It's Mm -hmm. supervision that is required. It's not necessarily, I guess I shouldn't say mentorship. It's just supervision. I believe a mentor is someone where the relationship is such that it's a give and take. You learn from each other. And I always believe no matter what stage you are in your teaching, in your training, in your career, in your life, that you should have coaches at every level. I always believe this. So um, the most significant mentor I ever had is a man named Todd Pezzer, probably the greatest instructor I've ever met in my life. Um, he uh, brought me on board. He headhunted me after a, a seminar and he brought me on board to a company in Vancouver, BC. And he just showed me that flight training doesn't have to be difficult. Mm. In all of my flight training, my personal flight training, my private license, my commercial, my multi IFR, everything. I always felt like the dumbest person in the room. I always felt like it was ridiculously difficult and it was a slog and you had to memorize and it was so hard to make it make sense. And then when I met Todd, he had a way of teaching that showed me that, wait a minute, this can be related to real life. It can be broken down into baby steps in such a way that it's easy to pick up and you don't have to just memorize it. And it makes sense. And you can have situational awareness and how he taught was so eye opening that I immediately took that on myself. I'm like, I can do this for other people. So I am very blessed to still have him in my life to the point where uh, him and I are doing uh, a briefing tomorrow, which is really great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I have a mentor in my life. She's an ex-Transport Canada inspector. She's a class one. She's an examiner of instructor ratings. And um, she's just the type of person, uh, her name is Lenora Crane. She's just the type of person that when you call, she's going to pick up and help you through whatever you're going through. And I love people like that. And you, you are on the list. Me? <laughs> yeah. So um, I know I'm not sure people watching this video will know this, but you and I met last year when you reached out to me. And I found that your insights, I know you're not expecting this answer. This is fun. This is why I didn't want to tell you beforehand. Um, But your insights and how you see flight training and how you see programs being put together has given me a lot of information and has guided how I do things too. So I appreciate you for that. Wow. (laughs) And the last one is what I think anyone can do and have for mentorship. Um, It's finding books and audiobooks and podcasts and YouTube videos of people, how they teach and what they talk about that you click with. Because a mentor is, is, as I said, it's supposed to be a give and take relationship. But in this situation, if you want to learn, if you want to grow and be a better person, having their words in your ears every morning, like as I get ready, I listen to a YouTube on someone that inspires me. Anyone from Simon Sinek to Brene Brown to Jim Quick to Gary V. He cusses a lot and I love cussing. So it just, it lands really well with me. <laughs> and I believe that if you don't have a coach or a mentor in your life that you can go to and call them and they'll pick up the phone, then the second best thing is to buy that book and, and listen to it and have their, their voice in your head every day. That's fantastic. And mm. I am incredibly surprised. So thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> so 
what's the most uh, valuable non-aviation skill you've learned as a flight instructor? I, I thought about this a little bit um, as I was prepping for this, but really it's being able to put a stranger at ease in my presence right away hmm. because it's ridiculously valuable in any situation that you're in, especially when you're networking and trying to make friends in different areas or getting along with your captain or getting along with your first officer, whatever it is. If you take a stranger and you're able to put them at ease with you in the room in the cockpit right away, it leads for a much nicer working and or friendship environment too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any tips on how to do that? Yes. <laughs> um, when networking, I always tell the students in my group that you have to make a friend and add value, but to make that friend, you have to be genuinely interested in the other person. So uh, Dale Carnegie, you ever heard of the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People? So he oh, yeah. says that the sweetest words to anyone's ears is their own name. And what he means by that is nobody cares about you. <laughs> Honestly, nobody cares about you. If you want to start the relationship and make a friend, all you have to do is just be genuinely interested in somebody else. Like ask questions about them, but give genuine compliments, um, listen to what they're saying and respond kind of like a tennis game. It goes back and forth, but listen to what they're saying, uh, respond, ask them to elaborate, ask them about the things that they clearly have passion for. And when they, the other person realizes that you're really genuinely interested in them, then they like you more. It's a little psychology hack, but if you can do that, then anyone standing next to you is going to like you. That's great advice. And, and it's <laughs> an art form because it's not something that, uh, you know, a lot of people have to learn that they can't just be good at it right out of the gate. Yes. It's a skill. It's a skill for sure. Hmm. But one you can intentionally develop. And I recommend that to everybody. Hmm. Absolutely. What do you enjoy most about flight instruction? <laughs> no, I went back and forth trying to pick the right answer for this one. So I'm just going to be honest, like I am on most of my videos. There's two answers. <laughs> There's the surface level answer that I should say, because it's, it's accurate, but it's, it's surface level. Like, um, I get really proud of my students when I get to watch them and release my kids into the world. I don't care if you're 15 or 65 you're my kid. And if I release you into the world and I watch you be successful, it gives me a lot of pride and I love it. Um, but that's, that's really the surface level. If you want, I'm going to do the deep answer anyways. So. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the deep answer is I love feeling important. Everybody does. <laughs> and when someone comes to me and they say, genuinely, if they say, Kimberly, I could not have done this without you. I could not have done this without you. Thank you so much. It makes me feel so damn important. It makes me feel so good. It actually inspires me to work harder and do that for more people just because it feels amazing. I'm like, I did that. You needed me. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the opportunity to be on an airliner that one of my former students is flying. It hasn't happened yet, but I've got plenty of them out there that are airline pilots now, and I'm still waiting because I, I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Canada has a much smaller population and much smaller aviation population than the States. So it happens to me all the time oh, when really? I get to go on the airliner and I look in the front, it's either someone I used to work with or it's one of my students. It feels awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your most interesting, scary, or fun story you've had while being a flight instructor? You know what's so funny is I, I struggled with this one because 
the vast majority of my interesting and scary stories happen when I'm when I was being a charter pilot or a schedule pilot on the turbine mm-hmm. and or when I was ferrying aircraft. That's all the scary stuff. Um, the one scary story that I can really think of is when I first started teaching. And there's a guy that came into the flight school and he said, I'm a, a private pilot, commercial pilot, private pilot. I got my grandson with me. We want to go for a fly. I want to show my, my grandson the area that we are here. I want to fly. And of course, with a flight instructor, you don't need a license. You don't even need to prove that you have a license. So I thought this is going to be great. I'll go up with this guy and, and he can fly and I'll sit back and just I'll enjoy the show. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the strip that I was flying out of at the time is was 1700 feet. It was a very short strip. And so the threshold of runway one, three was the river. And then the river went along the side of the runway and then expanded. And then the threshold of three, one was the ocean. So it was capped off. Like I'm talking fence water. <laughs> like there was a steep drop off anyways. And so coming in onto one, three on short final, or actually base training final, I warned him. I'm like, okay, over the river there, we're going to get a drop of about 200 feet. If you add a couple hundred RPM, we should not lose our glide path and land uh, on the touchdown zone. And he goes, yep, yeah, sure. Now, uh, during the flight, did a couple of things where he ignored me. I just assumed it was because he was wanting to impress his grandson. I don't know. Short final, I warned him about the drop. Of course, we get into it and he doesn't add power. And he doesn't any, he, he lowers the nose and he doesn't add power. And it's like, it's like he froze. It's like he stopped listening to me. And so, of course, because we're coming in over the fence a couple of feet, even a drop of five feet at this point is going to put us into the fence and cause a big problem knowing this. And so I said, add power. (laughs) And he's just nothing. Like he was locked. There was nothing at the time. I was a 19 year old girl, right? (laughs) Sitting next in a 172 next to this big dude. And I hadn't picked up powerlifting at that time yet in my life. (laughs) And so I tried to pull back in the control column just to at least even pull the nose up because we're getting real close to the fence. I'm taking a long description to uh, describe a couple of seconds in the airplane, Mm -hmm. but he was locked and I was terrified. And so what I had to do eventually is I had to put my elbow into his ribs where he went, just enough so I could pull back on the control column, pop us up over the fence and land on the, on the runway. And it was, it was sketchy. And so then I uh, screamed at him. I'm like, I have control. I taxied us in. I left the airplane after I pulled the mixture, I left the airplane in the middle of the taxiway and I went into the the flight school like, because it was just so much adrenaline. But he, uh, I'm not sure if he was terrified or if his brain shut down or if he was, I, at the time, I still fully believe he was intentionally trying to kill us. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I don't know. It was scary. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so, like it. <laughs> so with all of my, my female students, my the instructors that I mentor, uh, we talk about the power of your elbow in the airplane if you have to. <laughs> I, makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. <laughs> so... In your mind, what quality or skill makes for an exceptional flight instructor? Yeah, here's the thing. I don't believe that there is a skill that makes for a good flight instructor because skills can be taught and learned. An exceptional flight instructor, um, there's only one thing that makes the person exceptional or not, and it's the attitude about yourself. 
It's not even actually about the student, I don't believe. So if you have an attitude about yourself that you can't, like the growth mindset, but you can grow and you can get better at your job. You can get better at paying attention to a student. You can get better at at your teaching skill and analyzing what's going wrong and seeing the problem and and finding new creative ways Um, to do it, then you will get better, right? But if if someone has a fixed mindset of, of, well, I can't learn, or this is the way I was taught, this is the way it's done, right? If it's a very fixed mindset of nothing can change and nothing can get better, then it's going to make for a really crappy flight instructor. But with the attitude of like, okay, I can learn new things, I can get better, then they will develop all of the other skills necessary to be a good flight instructor. That's an incredible answer. I, <laughs> I, I always love it when I get ones that are new. Uh, yeah. I've been doing this long enough that we're starting to see some of these answers repeat, which is great. Um, but I always love when I get something different. And that was, that was really cool. Oh, thank you. If there's one little side extra that I'm going to put in there, it's... Um, observing your student and uh, talking less, paying attention to yourself less. I always say to my instructors that you have to care less about your own teaching and care more about how the student's doing. And if you can get out of here and onto there and pay attention to the student, then you can help them get better too. So what aspect of flight instruction best prepared you for what you do now? Well, see, that's tough because I'm a career instructor. I did go off and do some other really fun types of flying, including a little bit of helicopter flying, um, a little bit of float flying, but I'm a career instructor. So it's prepped me for doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Yeah. But you do so much more than, than flight instruction. You own a business and you, you do a lot of mentorship stuff. So what about all that? Okay. All right. I I see where you're going with this. Um, Yes. I own Advancing Aviation and it's a company that I started because I saw and see in aviation culture around the world that flight instructors are just being treated like they're the bottom of the barrel. And I hate that. Um, I, I want flight instructors to be the cream of the crop. I want them to get paid the most. I want them to get picked first for the team at the airlines, right? I want them to be more respected than anybody else. So I started the company to help that happen. Um, being able to pay attention to somebody else and observe my student has helped me with networking. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I've gotten so many job offers, unsolicited job offers, um, just standing in a room networking or people that know people. I mean, it's helped me um, pay attention to my student of wanting to add value to the student. I want you to do well. So here's something else to help you do well. And I've got a bit of a, a reputation in some circles that Kimberly's just going to help. And of course that's valuable to the company. So I get uh, a lot of unsolicited job offers that way. Like we want her to be part of this company because she has the attitude of wanting to do her best and add value and add value. So I, I could probably go on if I spend a bu- bucket of time thinking about this, but I truly believe that any, everything about being a flight instructor can help in every aspect of life. Yeah. And, and kind of the next question piggybacks on top of that. I mean, how did you utilize your, your time as a CFI to, um, you know, make your business successful and develop the ideas that, that eventually created this, uh, Kimberly Dawn empire. (laughs) Kimberly Dawn empire. No, we're getting there. Not yet though. Um, Hmm. Utilize my time as an instructor to help with what I'm doing. Um, because I mean, you're I, a chief instructor too, aren't you? Yes, I am a chief instructor, which is funny because we up here in Canada, we call them CFIs 
in, in the States, a CFI is a certified flight instructor. So chief is the tippy top of the company and CFI is, is the, the vast majority of the instructors down there. So it gets confusing when I introduce myself as, as the CFI. I wish I could say it was intentional. It wasn't. It wasn't intentional at all. Um, it's just the, the natural skills that you build by being in the environment. And it just happened to be all the skills I needed to own a business and, and network with people um, that are full of opportunities in their own companies. Right. So I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that one. I'm going to be wishy-washy on this one. Hmm. Okay. If you could give a new instructor, any piece of advice for success in the profession, what would it be? <sighs> Something I already said to you, make friends add value, make friends add value, make friends add value everywhere. Shut your mouth about yourself, <laughs> make friends add value. So the, the one major thing of why the stigma of being a flight instructor is still around that being flight instructors are terrible in the cockpit is because as a flight instructor, you are very aware of the regulations. You have to be, you are very aware of the very specific skills that are flight testable. You're very aware of how to help somebody else do it. So whether you spend six months being a flight instructor or six years being a flight instructor, when you move on to something larger, the stigma is that flight instructors think they know everything and they're uh, entitled and they are um, difficult to work with because they're know-it-alls. That's, that's the stigma. And sometimes it's true, depending on the person. Sometimes you get someone that goes into a brand new environment, like a turbine environment or two crew environment, where they're just sponges and they want to soak it up and they want to learn. But um, the advice that I could give any flight instructor is that use your skills, use your time, use everything that you learn as being an instructor and hold it deep in your confidence that you can learn, that you are, you know what you're doing, that you can be in that environment, but don't say it to anybody else. <laughs> Just shut your mouth. Just be invested in somebody else. Make friends add value. And, um, all the time that you spend boasting about yourself is wasted time because it actually removes credibility where you think you're adding credibility. I'm so great. I've flown this. I've flown that. I've done this. I'm a first officer now and you should be impressed by me. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining and, and mm -hmm. for providing uh, the wonderful answers to our viewers here. For those that don't know about advancing aviation, mm -hmm. uh, you want to give it a quick, uh, quick plug? I do um, because I'm proud of it, but also because I know it helps people. And I started advancing aviation during the lockdowns of uh, the COVID beginning in, in March of 2020. Um, I was uh, prevented from teaching just like everybody else. And I desperately wanted to maintain the connection with flight instructors and help. So I started by putting on a couple of free master classes. and long story short, I was expecting to get five people said that they wanted to join me and, and talk about flight training and how to get better and use your time during lock lockdown to just come out ahead of the game. And I ended up getting well over 300 applications. Hmm. Um, and it was for a free class. I had people waking up in Australia at 2 a.m. to take the master class. It was really intense. And so I thought I was on to something here. And what I've done is I've transitioned it into a private Facebook group where I teach uh, daily. I give 15 to 20 minutes on any topic from uh, flight exercises, how to teach trimming, how to master force landings in two flights, 
um, to meteorology or anything in ground school. We talk about how to network, how to write a resume, how to do LinkedIn. And it's just a masterclass daily for flight instructors. And I've opened it up to flight training students um, who just want to get better in the ways that aren't taught in ground school. So that's what we do. It's called the top instructor and student group. What's the group called? The top instructor and student group. You can find it on Facebook. Um, It is a paid subscription group. So you have to go through the advancing aviation website, but I love it. And it's, it's become my passion in life to help other people be awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, uh, Kim, any final thoughts? Um, No, I think, I think I've pretty much put it all out there. And I want to say thank you to you for having me on here. And um, thank you for really forcing me to think about my own career, which is always fun. Well, you thinking about your career helps other people with their career. So thank you as well.